You're listening to the second installation of Plans We Make. I'm Rafiq Bhatia, guitarist with Sunlux, and this is the third of three episodes discussing the theme of collaboration with some of our favorite artists and collaborators. Today, I'll be talking with Michael Chena, a visionary artist and designer whose work has been celebrated and utilized around the world by leading artists, brands, and publications. He's a notable pioneer of early web design and has continued to reinvent and evolve how art and design communicate throughout his career. I first met Chino when he agreed to design the cover of my first LP. Our collaboration has since spiraled into multiple album covers, a music video, and a full performance-length multimedia experiential live version of my last album, Breaking English. I had the chance to catch up with Michael recently, and this is what we discussed. My man, how are you? Doing good. How are you doing, Rafiq? I'm good. Are you, you're in Minneapolis right now. You're in your record room. Yes. My lovely record room. And there's how many thousand records are in the room with you right now? Um, 10 in here, but I have more than that. Where, where are the rest of them? Are they in my office? Yeah. In my Uh, office. Yeah. Um, when did you start collecting records? When I was uh, seven years old, my father and his brother were both really big into music and um, he would take me record shopping on the weekends. And so I remember being like the, you know, the crates and everything were like that tall and just like remember looking up and seeing them and just going through stuff. So you were like, you could barely reach the top of them. Oh yeah, I could barely see. Yeah, I had to stand on my tippy toes to look. What do you think it was at that point in your life that was exciting to you about records? Was it the music or was it like just getting into the covers and like checking out the the story of the the visual presentation? Oh yeah, absolutely. You're you're totally right. It's um it was the covers and like what they meant. Um like I remember looking at probably some records I probably shouldn't have, but like some Black Sabbath records. And um, there's one where it's got this illustration on the front that's pretty sorted. But, um, you know, just looking at these and I remember the Led Zeppelin presence, just like that object, it's the one that has all the objects in it and everybody's looking at it. And I was like, what is this about? And so I remember just going through my dad's record collection and just looking at covers and just being interested in them. and. I mean, when I was a kid, I was interested in like pop music. So it drove my dad crazy. I remember him like me having like village people and having like M pop music and all these other ones. And he just is not a fan. I remember, what was he into? Oh, um, heavy metal, uh, psychedelic, uh, art rock. Later he got into like jazz ambient smooth jazz kind of stuff Mm. so i got a decent amount of his collection um and sold off a decent amount as well but uh yeah he you know his favorite band was love and things like that so it was yeah not too into the pop music no was not into uh disco or anything like that so (laughs) yeah (laughs) at what point did you kind of start to like form associations between what you were seeing on the cover of these records with like the way that they sounded. Was that something that happened right out the gate or was it something that took some time? Yeah. I mean, 
I didn't understand the, the um, language of visuals when I was younger, but I was always very attracted to that stuff. I mean, really in high school, it would have been like the Von Oliver stuff on 4AD that really like got me more interested. And then um, in college, I was in advertising and I didn't even know graphic design was a profession. I mean, I didn't even know you could get paid for something like that. And I was, I was finally, I was like, when are we going to make these things? And they're like, oh, that's a different profession. That's graphic design. And like that day I walked to the administrator and it was like, I'm switching to graphic design because this is, ex that's exactly what I want to do. And I think, you know, through design, they called it visual communication, which is, um, basically semiotics in the language of images. And um, to me, I read books like uh, Berger's Ways of Think Seeing, Ways of Seeing, um, and really started to understand how images can speak and even the presentation of images can speak context things like that. I mean, I guess really I learned a lot through art, but I also learned a lot through design. And so I think I'm just interested in learning as much as I can about whatever I'm interested in. And um, yeah, I've been picking up again, just rereading old, old stuff from the 60s and 70s, because those guys were really interested in that, like what, what, does an image mean how do you communicate what's the best way to communicate to people i mean they were a lot about not um giving a a neutral a lot of the modernists were um at least were interested in giving a neutral um, approach to communication so it wasn't biased and of course everything has bias in it and um that's where some of that breaks down but um there's a Helmut Schmidt book um, called Design is Attitude. And um, I don't know, I'm going down a, a wormhole that I, I don't know if I would be able to pull out of. But I think like really it's like you have to know what you're trying to do and how to do it. And if you can't do that, then you can't really speak in languages. And that's one of the one of what I do is I can speak in many languages. I'm fluent in a lot of different languages in design. And to me, that's very important. Uh, I think a lot of pe a lot of people um, in a lot of schools teach that you need to be in in one. You need to pick a lane and stick in that. And to me, it's like that's just the most boring thing <laughs> you could ever want to do. It's like, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like I want to do photography. And I've taken, you know, 10 semesters in photography. I'm somewhat fluent in photography. I'm also good enough to know I'm not as good as some of the greats, you know? So why would I, uh, I think it's just these paths that you go down that educate you. Um, if you don't understand motion um, and you don't do it, then how, how are you supposed to design for it? And so for me, it's just like, I want to learn everything about everything. And that's, I think, what makes me a little different than most designers, I think. To me, 
like the more knowledgeable you get in a subject, the more you can speak abstractly. Because if you can't understand it on a fundamental level, how are you supposed to understand it in an advanced level? And so uh, abstract work to me is very challenging because I know that other people don't get it for the most part. But when I see abstract work, I feel like I understand what they're what they're doing and what they're communicating. And, and I feel like I mean, we all have our personal preferences and, and whatnot, um, and we like certain things. But um, I like to feel like I'm um, open enough to maybe not like something, but still know if it's good or bad. Yeah. And, and so for me, when I go to a gallery and I see abstract work, I mean, I think it. Yeah, I can tell you stories about that. Like first time seeing Cy Twombly, you know, that was challenging as, as anything. And I also saw him like almost 20 years ago. So we're talking about a long time ago, um, earlier in my career. But I struggle with Cy Twombly. You know, I thought. Yeah, we've talked about this, actually. Yeah. I think when we were first working together, yeah. one of the references I sent you was a Cy Twombly image. <laughs> and you were like, I don't know about that, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, actually, you know, like, yeah, no, I, actually, I, I at that time I liked Cy. I, I, I yeah. you know, I believe. But I I remember seeing his piece at a gallery show and um, just just thinking like this is shit you know this is and i think what you're maybe remembering maybe that's is like, yeah maybe yeah. that's what you told me about that's right was just like, and it, yeah. I, I had to sit with it for the thing is i saw a uh, hundred paintings that day and i remembered one the one i hated the most which was cy twombly and that's what you're remembering is that that yeah. whole um thing and i i sat with that piece for two months i've never sat with mm -hmm. a piece for two months in my head i mean yeah I wrestled with that shit for a long time. And finally I was like, just started looking into his work and who is he? What is he about? How does he paint? How does he, you know, and after you read about him and really understand and enter into that world, it just blows you away. It just like, he's one of the best, you know, he's one of my favorites yeah. easily. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely what it was. I'm yep. sorry. My record, my memory's terrible. No, but no, it's fine. They're like, I remember there being something about that. Yeah. And I, it doesn't surprise me to hear you say that because like, I kind of feel like you and I maybe have that in common a little bit. Like a lot of my favorite music is stuff that I hated the first exactly. time I heard it. Exactly. And that's such a cool thing. When somebody can convince you that something you thought you didn't like is amazing, mm -hmm. that gets extra credit. I mean, how can you not? like love that even more because you thought before that 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 option was not a good one and now you've been proven wrong that there is more in the world that you can enjoy than you thought you could you know and that's that's the best and that's the joy of life and that's the joy of art and music and things like that is that you know that's why i love the arts is that um, it does change your perception and traveling and food and all of these things. It's like, I mean, I can just tell we could talk about that this whole this whole podcast. Oh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly <laughs> it. And and the ability to change your mind is for me is such a, a valuable part of being human. And I I'm working on a project right now uh, for Matthew Deere and um I show it to people and most people I don't think like it. I don't think a lot of people are into it. And I think 
there's that uneasiness when you're doing something different and you're doing something new and you're into these territories that people haven't really seen before. And my gut tells me I'm doing it's right. My gut also tells me it makes me nervous. And when I show it to other people, it makes them very nervous. Like the label was not sure about it. <laughs> and so we had a, a talk and I said, sit with it for a couple of days. And then the next day it was like, yeah, it's like one of my favorite color covers. I, I just needed some time with it. Yep. So yeah. I think that the arts are about that transformation and the and learning and exploring and going down these routes. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm never, I mean, that's what I'm doing for the rest of my life. There's just no doubt. That's the whole fun of it and the privilege that we have that we get to do that, you know? Um, but yeah, I'm really glad you brought up that thing about um, that unsettling feeling. Um, because I remember when, when you and I first worked together, um, it was for, uh, the cover for my first record and you were constantly trying different stuff. I think you were like in a particularly prolific period. Maybe yeah. you're always prolific, but it was like, there was just so much that you were kind of working on. You'd send me things, um, we talked about it being a sculpture at one point. We talked about different approaches in painting. And um, there were a lot of them that I really liked. And I remember you were just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to keep working. You know, like, I'm not sure that we found it yet. And then one day, like, out of the blue, you sent me an email. And I think it just said, like, this is it or something. It was like, just like, or I think this, I think we found it or something like that. Yeah. And I opened the attachment or like the Dropbox link or whatever. And I was like, yes, this is it. How did you know, you know, like how, how did you know that that was it? And I, I immediately resonated with it. It felt like it like had so many of the qualities that we had been discussing, um, in a conceptual way, but I wasn't, I still wasn't sure how you had figured out that that was the one. And one of the things that you said to me was this thing about having, this feeling, this uneasy feeling in your stomach. Mm -hmm. And you were like, when I was working on it, I didn't know what was going to happen. And yeah. that's when I know that I'm onto something because it's challenging me and I'm stepping outside of mm -hmm. where I'm comfortable. And that, you know, you and I have talked about this, but for people listening to this, like those words ended up really resonating with me in a very deep way. And I had a pretty significant transformation in my work between the first record and the second one, which came several years later. Um, and I kept thinking about that, like about you having said that when I was working on that next batch of music. And I, I think that that's one of the things that like in the development of a creative practice and also in a collaborative situation, finding ways to embrace that discomfort mm -hmm. is you know and, and to even celebrate when that starts to happen yeah you know um because it it does mean that you're on to something that you never encountered and that's usually where the learning happens and that's where the development happens and mm -hmm. progress ultimately comes from that absolutely i think like for me what how i my process is is like 
I have um, a feeling that I know I'm trying to hit and I never think about it as I, um, we're trying to do something in a modernist style or trying to do something abstract or we're trying to do whatever. That's why like when we were doing this, I'm like messing with sculpture and I'm messing with things like that because I'm like, I know this feeling and I think I can possibly get it through sculpture. And then it's like, well, maybe maybe it's either my talent or this isn't working. And so you just move on and you explore different routes and areas. And to me, that's what we're there to do is like get on a path together that and like diverge and kind of walk down a different play, you know, different area. And I like collaboration, true crop collaboration, like a literally true collaboration where both people have an open mind to what what they're going to see and where they're going to go. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like working with people like you and Matthew Deere and a lot of other people um, is that when they, when they are open and I'm open, it allows unexpected things to happen. And that's where the magic is. That's so great. I mean, I, I feel like we've been on so many such journeys. Like I was so happy to like turn that thing that you said about looking for the place where you finally start to really get uncomfortable and you feel like you don't know what's going on because that's where the progress is. Like I felt so good about finally being able to turn that back on you after I finished that record <laughs> and be like, Hey, so like, have you done video work? Cause that's what we're going to do. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's it was definitely. I mean, it, in all practical per all practical purposes, picking me to do your music video was an act of faith. It was probably naive for me to, you know, I knew I know people who do music videos, <laughs> and they say how horrible they are. So I know I knew somewhat going into it that it's like here we go. But then when you plan it out, you're like, Oh, we have everything. We're good. And then when you watch through the footage, you're like, Oh no, we are not good here. <laughs> We're not good. Like all those ideas got to oh, translate. And that's, that's where you start running. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I mean, that was, so that was the video that we did for, um, my version of in a sentimental mood from standards volume one. And we were building at, at that point off of like, you know, a whole 45, 50 minute length live video collaboration. Yeah. Um, the like breaking English live stuff. Um, and, and some of the work that we had started in that category ended up making its way into the, the standards thing. But it was like, I feel like that for both of us was just this situation in which, you know, you're talking about like knowing the, the conventions of the form in order to be able to better sort of, mm -hmm. um, abstract them. And it was, it was a real, like, you know, finding our footing in inside of that world and figuring out how we could create momentum in an inertia inside of the abstraction was like such a, you know, learning experience and hard one, but, um, yeah, we also but, had a third party, you know, John Klukas, who's yeah. uh, been a great collaborator with me too. And, and I think why I like collaborating with him 
is that he's also open. You know, I mean, I don't totally. like working with people who are closed books. I mean, closed books. It's like, what, what fun is that? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? The same shit you already That's did. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> what right. you're going to do. <laughs> just a different version of it. But I felt, you know, like working with y'all, like there were just so many, you guys already have your own sort of collaborative history that mm -hmm. you were building on in those situations. And yet it never felt, especially in the final analysis, like you were repeating yourselves, you know, no. um, like it, you know, far from it. I, I think both of us like are in a, a quest for that, like looking for that feeling of discomfort and that, mm -hmm. like that evidence that we're pushing ourselves but one of the things that that video made me remember is like, oh, actually, like, if we just stop and like look under our noses, sometimes there's a whole lot to like yeah. work with and develop out of what's already there and what's mm -hmm. what's sitting like in the immediate vicinity. You know, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking about just like really what we're talking about is improvisation. Really, I mean, to some yeah. degree, is that you learn everything that you need to know and all that stuff guides your progress, and then. Um, I mean, there's, 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 uh, complexity is, uh, there, I'm interested in complexity. I'm also interested in, you know, minimalism as well. Like, and I think a lot of minimalism is just thought and reflection and this honing down and whittling and perfecting an idea and expanding on it. And to me, that's, um, valid but the opposite also is valid i mean like i remember when i first heard uh coltrane's africa that was like one of the first records that i heard of his you know just front to back and i just remember thinking what the hell is going on here and my friend said he's a musician of course he's like yeah he hit a point where he has a lot to say and if you just listen to the song in the moment and you're there and you listen to those eight bars, eight bars is a song. Yeah. It's a whole song. There's like, so one song is like a thousand songs almost, you know? And to me, I, I mean, I think that's, I liked, I mean, to me, that really blew my mind. It's like, holy yeah. shit. That's, and I think when you, when you get to that stage, you can do that. And you can, and, and, but I also like, like a Miles Davis ballad that he's just barely playing. And you're like, fuck, he's, you know, like, how did he get all, all of that in this, you know? Like yeah, this no, I mean. Tiny little, it's like economy. And that's what, yeah. you know, branding is a lot too. And that's why I like it is like, you know, that's, why I like doing that kind of stuff too, is as I love economy as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's there's a, a significance that's imparted in just a little bit. You're able to to call on so much and draw out so much precedent for the way that people interpret something, and and that's one of definitely one of your gifts. Um, Thank you. One of many, but um, I think. You know, one thing I want to ask you about that's in a slightly different direction, but also definitely the same direction is um, 
I think we've had like a couple years now of me periodically sending you Instagram DMs of uh, NASA posts, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just like these uh, overview photos of the landscape of the earth. Mm-hmm. And I guess like some of it is like maybe some moon photos. I can't remember, but it's mostly just like these uh, satellite images of the earth and I send them to you every time they look like one of your paintings or like something that you could have painted. And it's very frequently the case. Like I'll just look at, uh, you know, like there's, I've not seen something that comes closer to looking like something you painted than just like photographs of the earth's surface, you know? And with all of that kind of, knowledge of human perception and visual history in terms of like constructions that are born of human communication. It's fascinating to me that you still manage to kind of strike at something that feels much older than that, you know, and like that outlasts all of that. And so you're working with something that, you know, still communicates within the language that people have developed over many years, but it also seems so intrinsically tied to stuff that has outlasted us and will outlast us, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I'm curious about how you achieve that balance or how conscious that is in your practice between um, wanting to communicate on a human level that acknowledges context and also appeal to sensibilities that are more timeless and more rooted in just like the, the most basic aspects of the way that we encounter the world around us and that celebrate that. Yeah. I mean, to me, I do, I think something that people don't know and understand is that I do a lot of work to get to one thing. So Um, When you see one painting, that painting may have taken me a year. It may have been done over a year's time. It may have been over two years' time. It could have been done over 30 minutes. Um, But to me, it's, it's trying to communicate something in an abstract way. You're having this feeling of what are you trying to communicate, how, how to communicate and, um, you go with a feeling and a lot of times to get that feeling is has to be authentic. I mean, there's a handful of paintings that just rise to the top. Um, really, to me, painting is being in the moment. You have if you're not in the moment, you're thinking about something else. You're not going to get good work. It's just the simple part of it. I've been distracted with work for so long. Have I been painting that much? Not as much. I have to somewhat unwind. And when I was younger, I didn't have as much work. And I was able to like, well, how can I jump between all of these projects? Well, it's because the stress wasn't there. I have a lot higher stakes now. And so the painting for me to unwind is very, to get to that point, it, it's, it's more difficult. And I, when you were talking about my prolific period, you know, there was a lot of strife going on, but I also had this net, this income net 
that I had sold my business and I said, screw it. I'm taking advantage of this time. And I was able to pull in on that stuff. And so that state that I was in, you know, call it flow state, call it whatever you want, was a, a really special time. And I think about it, trying to capture that. But I think, you know, as far as timelessness goes, to me, um, I care greatly about that. Like when I work for Ghostly or I work for you, I want that cover to be like, um, that it holds up, that somebody can look at it and say, you know, this has value still. I, I just see so much work that is from now. I'm not concerned with now. I'm not concerned with what happened, what's happening now. I mean, of course I am as a person, but to me, um, I care about artists longevity. I see, I kind of don't see in, I, I try and see is in time. Like I'm interested in Cy Twombly because of his body of work. I'm interested in Coltrane because of his body of work. I own every Coltrane record because I want to know and I want to understand and I want to see that body of work. The body of work exists over time. It takes time to develop that. And so for me, that's where the art is. That's the true art is that collection. And so I have to follow in that ideal is like for me, you will find thousands of paintings in my flat files and in boxes and things like that, that I will never have shown. Was I proud of some of them? Yes. Um, was I not proud of them? Some of them? Yes. But what I show is what I get around to. And I feel like is like that's ma something magical has happened here but i've also learned that a lot of that is subjective so i try and i try and let that go i think like what what when you when you go that first route that i'm talking about it, it leads to perfectionism and perfectionism becomes to be a jail yeah you become you you lock yourself in a jail and i don't want to be there i don't want to be in that jail um but when you're also trying to hit something you want it to somewhat be perfect so there's this balance that you have to try and walk that line between having high standards for your work but also being able to be prolific and to explore because without the exploration you're never going to be able to hit that that gem you're never going to yeah. be able to find that diamond yeah totally no and you and i've had many conversations about this i like always think about that um interview that i was reading with the rapper gold link where he's talking about you know uh working with rick rubin and how rick rubin was sort of like you know if you take eight years to make your second record that's not your second record that's effectively like your eighth record you know and it's yeah. not like being so precious with like like if you spend the time to actually complete more things and go through the cycle of you know doing every aspect of the work you'll learn more in that period of time and where you'll be in terms of your progress as an artist can be greater if you're willing to you know like there's sort of like this like marginal there's this point where like you're working really 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 hard for that last three percent that feels 
you know, that's arguably like not even making it better for anyone else, but it's just what you want for a thing. And, um, I always, I know you and I both struggle with that a Mm -hmm. lot where it's like, how do we, you know, like, is it worth it at this point even to like try to find that thing? Is this going to be something that we wake up tomorrow and like realize it wasn't even improving the thing? (laughs) Like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I deal with that all the time. And I think like one of my favorite quotes that is like along this level is that Picasso, I mean, that famous one where Picasso does a sketch and some lady comes and says, um, how much for that? And he, I forget, does, does he give her a price or something? I, think I he don't gives, know this one. He gives her yeah. a price and she's like, that just took you like 30 seconds to draw. And he goes, no, it's taken me 30 years. Yeah. And, yeah, no, and I think that that's like, yeah. it's funny and it has that kind of like witty, but it is true. I mean, it is true. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. It's it's like um. So I mean, that's that's what we're here for, right? I mean, that's what we're here for is we're here to you know push ourselves. Um, hopefully not to you know extreme levels. I feel like you and I probably you know and there's a lot of other artists that do that are very extreme, and I mm-hmm. see those people and. Um, I like those people, um, because I feel like I can relate more to them. Mm. Um, cause I mean, I see myself like I, I, when I see other people's work, I mean, just even like hearing your work for the first time, I, I, I was like, yeah, I mean, I underst- can understand and see certain things. And as I worked with you, you know, you you want something to be right and you put in that work and and that's where that comes from is all that hard work and um and you hopefully get into that state where you are making better decisions and it just grows until you hit that 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 path and then you're on it totally yeah no i i mean it still feels like there's so far to go um there is but man thank you so much for for taking this time um to be here with us today and um pleasure as always talking to you and um until next time have a good one thanks for you too for having me on peace bye bye thanks to my dear friend and collaborator michael chino for joining me Head to chinaart.com, C-I-N-A-A-R-T.com to check out his work and even purchase a print or two while you're at it. Plans We Make was created by me, Rafiq Batia, along with my bandmates Ryan Lott and Ian Chang and was produced and edited by Chris Jacobs. Special thanks to executive producers Michael Kaufman and Hannah Hauser for all their support. And be sure to subscribe to Plans We Make wherever you get your podcasts. Our next installation of episodes will be coming soon, and we'll be talking to friends and collaborators around the theme of voice. I'm Rafiq Bhatia. Thanks for listening. Thanks.